Texas Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast, a special edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast on Wednesday, December 7th. I'm Buster Olney, and we just got word, uh, Taylor and Sarah, that the Yankees have agreed to terms with Aaron Judge, or more specifically, Aaron Judge, who had all this leverage, agreed to terms with the Yankees, turning down offers from the San Diego Padres, the San Francisco Giants, uh, and getting a nine-year $360 million deal. Uh, Sarah Abbott's working from the hangar. Sarah, what'd you think when you heard the news? I mean, it's exciting to have him back with the Yankees. But I mean, personally, after Monday Night Football, when he was shaking Tom Brady's hand, part of me was like, hmm, maybe he's going to the race. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can say this. He was not going to go to the Rays. He got more <laughs> money in this contract than the Rays had probably doled out in 90% of their seasons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, uh, Taylor, what'd you think? You're working from the pulpit. Mm, would have liked to see him leave the AL East, but, uh, you know, glad the, uh, oh, yeah. the, the, the whole contract saga is over. I mean, we've literally been talking about this on the podcast for like two years. So, um, I'm glad this didn't drag out until like right before spring training. Like this is good. Things are settled. The Yankees got their guy. Uh, they're set up to complain about him when he's 38, which I'll very much enjoy. And, uh, yeah, it's all's fine in the baseball world. All right, uh, I, I be, you know, I'm going to ask this question to Dave Schoenfield and Paul Ambikides. Tell me about the assessment from both of you about the poker player that Aaron Judge is with the way that he handled this year. Sarah, you can start. Okay, well, listen, I think he did a pretty great job, with the exception of the whole hotel debacle. That was very clearly a PR move, but I, you know, I think he did all right. I think he did all right. All right, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, he was playing it until Sunday, as Sarah said, showing up in Tampa, you know, city of a, of a division rival, you know, playing some games there. I think he probably wasn't playing any games, but uh, still really well done. And, you know, we 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 openly doubted him on the podcast. We openly said this is a bad move. And I think we should all, you know, atone for that. Here we are. Yeah. No, I, I had people I, I said back in the spring, people on the union side, People uh, on management side who were saying that the Yankees offer in the spring, uh, seven years, $213.5 million, was a very fair offer in their mind. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't, I think as uh, as the season played out and Judge had this big year, there were a lot of uh, people writing the history retroactively and they're saying, yeah, they lowballed him. No, they didn't. They put a really (laughs) big offer out there and Aaron Judge, to his credit, uh, bet on himself and boy, it paid off big. Some other moves that we're not going to dive into today. Jamison Tyone agreed to a four-year, $68 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. Jeff Pass and Jesse Rogers reported that. Taiwan Walker got four years, $72 million from the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, the fine outfielder, got three years and $43.5 million to sign with the Giants as they pivoted off of not being able to sign Aaron Judge. Cody Bellinger and the Cubs reached a one-year, $17.5 million deal. Cubs trying to make their team better. They wanted to get a really good defensive center fielder, and they did it. And the Pirates won Major League Baseball's first draft lottery. The Washington Nationals are going to pick number two. Taylor, what else you got? I'm going to throw a curveball here. I want to hear from Sarah about what's been cooking on the Dominique Foxworth show, because that's been humming along, and you've been at the helm of that with uh, our friend Christina Buswell. I mean, Dominique Foxworth show is very, very fun. We have his wife on, Ashley, 
who does roses and thorns. So every week she tells him what he's doing great, what he <laughs> needs to improve upon. And then we have Charlie Kravitz come on and they talk all things football, all things Tom Brady, of course, obviously, and just stay up to date on the latest news. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. And David Schoenfield, who covers baseball for ESPN, joins us on short notice this morning following the breaking news that Aaron Judge is going back to the Yankees nine years and $360 million. And, Dave, this is one of those days for you and I that's so much fun because you're kind of writing this story as you get the information, and there's not, like, preparation. You don't have time to really think over things. And so when I was doing TV this morning, I'm just like, this is total surrender by the Yankees. Total surrender. And you know what? Given how important Aaron Judge is, if you're Hal Steinbrenner, that might be the right thing to do. What do you think? Well, I think it's important for the Yankees, and I think it's good for baseball that Aaron Judge has a chance now to become a legacy kind of player for the sport's most important franchise. You know, if he continues like this, he's going to get his monument. He has a chance at the Hall of Fame. And frankly, for a team that hasn't been to the World Series since 2009, they needed Aaron Judge back in pinstripes. So I think yeah. it's great for him, great for the franchise. And, and I feel like that if you're Hal Steinbrenner and you are going to break out, uh, go, you know, go back to your father's example and and uh, spend big, this is the right player to do it with. I, I understand he's 31 years old in the spring, but I think this was a case where he needed to get emotional and and go above and beyond to make this happen. What do you think? Yeah, look, we, we no doubt, Buster, and there, look, there's enormous risk. I can run the previous six players who were in their 30s who signed for more than $200 million, and I'll just say those didn't turn out very well. So there is enormous risk in the long-term implications of this deal. But coming off a year when offense cratered across the sport – Aaron Judge had one of the greatest offensive seasons, not only of this century, but of all time. He doesn't have to hit 62 home runs again to be an unbelievably valuable player. 
He was one of the best players in the sport from 2017 through 2021. So even if he's 75% of what he was last year for the first four or five years of this deal, that's a great MVP caliber player. All right. And he is the all-time leader in home runs in a single season in the American League. And I think you would agree with me. He may be the best poker player in the history of baseball. What do you think? (laughs) Well, what did the Yankees offer him last spring, right? $213.5 million. So he made $146.5 million by betting on himself, Buster. You're right. That is uh that's a straight flush for Aaron Judge. So he bet on himself. And look, I know there he's had some injuries in the past, but don't you think two healthy years in a row, you've written how he's kind of learned how to take care of himself. Um I think there's a good chance he really remains a monster player for at least those first four or five years. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. And I and I would say this. I, I felt this way when the, the Yankees traded for Giancarlo Stanton. And now you see a lot of members of the media after two years are like, what a terrible deal that was. <laughs> I didn't hear those voices at the time people when the Yankees got Stanton basically for nothing from the Marlins. Right. And, and in the same way, when Aaron Judge is 36, 37 and his production starts to go down. I really don't want to hear people say that was a bad deal. <laughs> Why would they have ever done that? I think you, you know, you have to be on the record as of today. I'm with you. I look at him. Uh, first off, when you think about players and how they age, you know, for, for hitters, the first thing that I always look at is strike zone command, because I feel like at the very least, those guys, as they get older are going to provide on base percentage. But beyond that, uh, you know, judge up until he's 40, because he's so dang strong, I think he's going to hit 25 home runs by accident. And then on top of that, he's such a great athlete. I do think, you know, six, seven years, he's reasonable to expect, even though we're all kind of wondering about, you know, how someone that big maintains his swing, maintains his bat speed into his late 30s. Yeah, you know, in baseball, we love to compare players to other players, but there's no player to compare Aaron Judge to. Really, the only guy ever that was his size was Frank Howard. I know who, you know who he is, Buster, great slugger in the late 60s, early 70s. He actually had his three best years from ages 31 to 33, and he did decline rapidly. But the other guy I think of is Dave Winfield, who was 6'6", you know, leaner than than judge, but he played until he was 43. So, you know, there's a, just a, a one-off example of a big player who remained very productive throughout his thirties. Look, I could go through this list. Alex Rodriguez hit 54 home runs at the same age as judge was never as good again. Miguel Cabrera, 38 home runs. The first year of his extension, never as good. Anthony Rendon's been injured. We all know what happened to Albert Pujol. So yeah, the history of, Players getting these contracts in their 30s is not good, but I hope Judge bucks that trend. Okay, now that it's over, I can report this. You know, I, the Giants, we knew we were going to get serious about Judge. You know, they inhabit a ballpark about 100 miles from where he grew up. But even within the Giants organization all along, they, I, I think they, I know they felt that he probably was going to go back to the Yankees so they'll spin now to a plan B. Uh, what do you think for the Giants moving ahead? And and where what phone calls should they make? Where should they focus? Well, we talked about this the other day where we both predicted Carlos Correa going to the Giants, especially if Judge went back to New York. 
Um, although we're hearing the Padres, apparently they want to spend some money, Buster. So I think they're going to be in on Carlos Correa, don't you? So um, it could be a West Coast battle, you know, for Carlos Correa. The Twins are still maybe in that mix, but uh, they need a hitter, no doubt. You know, they need power in the lineup. All that offense they had in 2021, I think, was kind of a fluke. So they need a middle-of-the-order hitter. Uh, they could use a shortstop, Brandon Crawford, getting old. He has one year left on his deal. So uh, Carlos Cray is the perfect fit for the Giants. Yeah, uh, um, I, I would agree with you. I think that's where he's going to line wind up. Although, you know, and we talked a lot about this on the podcast yesterday. The news that uh, that the Padres offered Trey Turner a record-setting contract for a shortstop. You knew as soon as you heard that, like, oh, my God, the Padres are a factor in a way that uh, we didn't expect. It's clear their owner, Peter Seidler, doing everything he can to win a championship. Yeah, Carlos Correa makes a lot of sense, and I think Xander Bogarts makes a ton of sense. You know, the big concern about Bogarts is he gets older because he's a big guy, as you know, physically, is how good of a shortstop is he going to be? First off, you've got Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back. Uh, so you could theoretically, if you're the Padres, look at it and say, you know what, in a couple of years, as Bogarts ages, we could move him to second base and he could play there. The other thing, too, is I look at Bogarts, if I'm the, the Padres, and I say, I got Manny Machado, who might have as much or more range than any third baseman in baseball playing that position. I think that's going to help Bogarts if he signed there uh, in terms of dealing with these rules against defensive shifts. I love Bogarts for the Padres. And yeah. he's going to be cheaper than Carlos Correa. Right. And and keep in mind, Manny Machado has an opt-out clause after next season, I believe. So you could theoretically, you know, move Bogarts to third base if, if you needed to. Um, and Bogarts, Buster, you look at his defensive metrics, had his best year last year. I don't know if that was a positioning thing or if he changed his game or what, but he did have a very good year defensively last year. So even if he, you know, slowly declines, he's you're fine with him at shortstop for the short term with that bat. So it's a great fit, Padres. You can always use more offense. Man, imagine a lineup, though, with Bogart, Soto, Machado, and Tatis. Wow, that'll scare the Dodgers. Yeah, that would be really fun to watch that. Yeah. This is I tweeted out yesterday, you know, having heard that the you know the Padres are getting aggressive, and Jeff Passan reported this morning that Judge flew into San Diego met with the Padres. They were very, <laughs> very serious about improving their team. And, and that's really cool to, to think about, you know, what their lineup, uh, you know, would be with a Correa, uh, with a Xander Bogarts. I got to believe, and, and again, I, I love deals like Judge's deal because there's so many ripples. If yep. you're sitting in the Red Sox front office today, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, there has to be, within the Boston front office right now, near panic. Yeah, because it looks like in this game of musical chairs, there's a real chance that Xander Bogarts is going to get 180, 200 million dollars, maybe twice or twice as much or more than what the the Red Sox offered him in the spring. Yeah, yeah. Look for for what everybody's going for, not just Judge and Turner, but you know the pitchers. You know we've seen their deals. Everybody's getting a little more money, or in some cases, a lot more money than we expected. So. Yeah, the Red Sox are not getting Xander Bogarts for $168 million, which is kind of the prediction at the start of the offseason. You know, it wouldn't shock me if he gets $200 million, Buster. So, yeah, what are the Red Sox going to do? Because, yeah, we're also seeing these pitchers, you know, uh, 
get signed up. So they might be that team left holding the bucket, so to speak, at the end and not get anybody they want. And man, the pressure is on that organization to turn things around after last year. Well, and if I'm now uh, the Chicago Cubs and I've got Jameson Tyone and it was Jeff and it was Jesse Rogers who reported that first last night. uh, And I have Jameson Tyone. I'm looking to make other upgrades. I'm going to land either Correa or Dansby Swanson. Like I'm going to do everything I can because it doesn't make sense to sign a Jameson Tyone in his late twenties, early thirties and not improve the defense behind him, not improve the position players behind him. Yeah. And the look, look, the Cubs are a big market team. Um, They've spent in the past. They haven't spent in recent years like they could. They have money to spend there. We're seeing there's a ton of money in this game right now. Get your superstar shortstop. You're in, you know, one of the weakest divisions in in the sport. You you could look, the Cubs could turn it around in one year if they make the right moves, you know, and one of those moves is signing Swanson or Correa. Yeah. It, it, uh, boy, it's fun when you get players like this and yeah, it's interesting. I know that one of the conversations judge is going to be asked at the press conference when the he, he does that with the Yankees, I assume, in Yankee Stadium after the winter meetings. Uh, but uh, Judge will be asked about being captain. And I got to say, that's one of those things that always makes me scratch my head because there isn't really any practical power for someone who's <laughs> named a captain of a baseball team. But in the Yankees organization, it, it apparently is a position of, of great honor. Yes, Yeah, look, it makes sense. You know, yeah, what does a baseball captain do? You're not giving these uh, inspired speeches like a football captain might do. But (laughs) you're not uh, even meeting with the home plate umpire, right? Right, yeah, exactly, right. The coin flip before the game. There's no coin flip, you know. But it's an official passing of the torch, right, from – what Thurman Munson, the Derek Jeter, the Aaron judge, you know, and to Yankees fans and to this organization that means something, even if it's really just symbolic and it's, it's their way of saying you're our guy for the next 10 years. And we hope to put, you know, we hope to build that monument out, out there someday. All right, Dave, thanks for jumping on short term. I am sure you were scrambling as I was this morning. And uh, so you answered a phone call and that's greatly appreciated. Well, let's have more fun uh, the next two days. You can now stream the most MLB games on direct TV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's code baseball. 
Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Jumping into the numbers. This is Himbo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Paul McKeady is a researcher for ESPN. He's also a honcho on the show, Get Up, and he's a huge baseball fan. And so I knew Hembo as soon as I uh, heard the, uh, you know, the confirmation on Judge uh, going back to the Yankees that you would want to chime in on this. It's a fun day, yeah? Uh, this is a beautiful day for, uh, for baseball, Buster. I mean, there are very few people for whom you can say this about, but Aaron Judge was kind of like Derek Jeter, put on this earth to play baseball for the Yankees for two decades. I've always uh, thought that, and I will obviously continue to think so, and it seems that he did as well. And I think kind of like Derek Jeter, who would only talk about winning and pretty much nothing else, it's easy for athletes to do that and and, and do so just because they're supposed to. In the case of Derek Jeter and in the case of Aaron Judge, the sense that I get is that they very much mean it. And that was probably, uh, if not the biggest factor, one of the biggest factors for Aaron Judge and and choosing to uh, stay with the Yankees instead of, you know, to go out West. Although part of me does wonder if a couple of factors did, uh, you know, come into play there, Buster. If, if, if the Giants had won 107 games last year, the way they did the year before, maybe the math year would be different. And part of me also wonders, Buster, if Aaron Judge looked at the career of Albert Pujols, how he disappeared in Anaheim for 10 years to reemerge uh, in his final season in St. Louis, a hero there. And Aaron Judge may have said to himself, look, what kind of career do I want for myself? Do I want a career where I just sort of could potentially toil in anonymity out there out West or, I want to be beloved by a fan base that will adore me till the end of time. I, I think he absolutely made the right decision. And I'd imagine that uh, in an office somewhere in New York City, Rob Manford might be pumping his fist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, I think from baseball's perspective, in terms of marketing the sport, they pr- would have preferred Judge to remain with the Yankees, the biggest star on, you know, the most prominent team. Uh, I-, I can't remember – an example of a player, despite all that, and despite all of us wondering if he wanted to be the next Jeter and finish his career with the team and keep his legacy with the Yankees, I've never seen a player play poker as well as Aaron Judge did in this year. What do you think? Buster, I was asked by a few different people this morning the same question. Is there any context for this? Is there any precedent for this? And the answer to that question, to those questions, is no. Aaron Judge did something here singularly unique singularly brilliant from his decision to turn down a contract that you and I both believed at the time was fair market value for him to be able to go through that whole season, hitting 62 homers amidst like a, a, a torrent of national media attention and continue to uh, stay even keeled throughout the whole process without at any point cracking to up until last night, best I can tell, keeping the Yankees on their toes, believing that there's a real chance that he wants to believe. That's the most astonishing thing to me. Like this was not all an act. This was Aaron Judge being surgical. He was precise. And that's, again, why he reminds me so much of Derek Jeter. It really does. It's almost eerie, candidly. But I think, look, around around the city this morning, there are going to be people rejoicing that Aaron Judge is going to stay there forever. And, yes, he got all the money in the world. And if I'm a fan of the New York Yankees, look, if the Yankees had gotten outbid by a team that has generationally way less money than I do, than I have, I would have been absolutely infuriated he played this thing absolutely perfectly from soup to nuts. They asked me a question on first take, Stephen A. did, uh, about uh, the Yankees and their efforts to win a championship in 2023 uh, and and how much this helped. And I must say, the question kind of caught caught me flat-footed because I – you know, was thinking to myself, okay, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. Like, he's the best player in baseball other than Shohei Otani – 
And they needed to get him back, especially given the importance of how he was in the second half of the year. And so, you know, Stephen A was talking about pitching, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like, getting Judge back as the Yankee in your lineup solves so many problems. What do you think? If the Yankees did not re-sign Aaron Judge, Buster, they would have finished fourth in the American League East next season. You, you and I ran through the numbers. Aaron Judge was everything to the Yankees in the second half. He was Barry Bonds on all the steroids, while the rest of his team was like this version of the Pittsburgh Pirates. There was a chasm between the two. He absolutely carried them to the finish line. And look, I'm not worried about pitching. I'm not worried about anything else. If you take Aaron Judge off of this team, they're 8, 10, maybe even 12 wins worse than they are without him. So there is absolutely no question in my mind that they are still right in the sort of the thick of the American League pennant race. I'm not sure Houston's getting any stronger. And I'm hoping, in, in some sense, that Brian Cashman will have to use this as an opportunity to become even more empowered and spend money. Like, the market is going absolutely insane this year, right? Like, if Trey Turner can get $300 million, right, there was no reason Aaron Judge couldn't have gotten a contract that started with a four. 360 actually felt as ridiculous as, a, as this is to say, kind of light based upon the precedent that the market was setting. But my belief is steadfast. The Yankees should, should absolutely go out and get some more pitching. They should improve their bullpen. They should improve their team in the margins. But if Aaron Judge is in the middle of your lineup and you have an average team around you, you're a playoff team. If you have Aaron Judge in your lineup and an above average team around you, you're going to be a contender to win the World Series every year. And one of these years with Aaron Judge in that lineup, the Yankees are going to break through. Okay, I'm going to make you a baseball executive for the next couple minutes. Uh, if you're Farhan Zaidi, head of baseball ops for the Giants, you get the phone call, Judge is going to the Yankees, he's not coming to San Francisco. What's your plan B? My plan B is to start with Carlos Correa, who I believe is the single best free agent remaining, the best shortstop on the market, a kind of uh, player who I believe can replace Buster Posey in the long run as being a fa uh, face of the franchise type, the kind of player who can – serve as my version of Manny Machado, who has made a massive difference in, in his Padres career thus far, taking them from sort of anonymity and mediocrity to a team that reached the Final Four last season. I think he has that kind of skill, that kind of gravity, that kind of talent. But look, the bottom line of it is this. The Giants have almost nothing. When I was looking at all these projections of the Giants lineup with uh, Aaron Judge hitting, you know, whatever, second, third, or fourth in it. It's Aaron Judge and a bunch of scrubs. Like, this is a team that needs to attack like with volume. And so I think Correa would be absolutely number one to get yourself that superstar. I think the Mitch, the Mitch Hanniger signing is, is, is a, was a good start too, but this is a team that needs to attack with volume buster. The, the, the drop off from, from 20, uh, 21 to 22 was so massive. There is no reason to believe that even by adding Carlos Correa, they're going to be a, they're going to be a playoff team. They have all sorts of money to spend. They have a beautiful ballpark and fans that are happy to fill it. They need to attack with volume. But again, I'm starting with Correa and making him the face of my franchise. You are A.J. Preller, the uh, baseball ops head for the San Diego Padres. You're Peter Seidler, the owner of the Padres, who is clearly deciding. You and I talked a lot about this. I'm feeling kind of smart, Hembo, because we mentioned this, mm. that the Padres could potentially pivot to another player. They did with Aaron Judge after they didn't get Trey Turner. Uh, what's your next move? Because I think it's obvious and to the degree that I feel like we should be putting the guy's name on a jersey today. What do you think? Uh is that last name Bogarts? Because that's how I That think. would be the name. <laughs> yeah, Buster, Xander Bogarts would fit perfectly in that program, in that lineup, and would do what I think has needed to be done for years now, and that's get Fernando Tatis off a shortstop. Xander Bogarts is also the kind of person who I think would fit in very nicely there. That's a, that's a team, frankly, that needs veteran leadership. A team that's going to – like for, for Xander Bogarts, 
be able to help sort of lead Fernando Tatis along in his journey, sort of trying to become the, the player uh, from a maturity standpoint that he very desperately needs to. I can't think of a more uh, well-respected or highly regarded person to, uh, to fulfill that role. And that's leaving behind the fact that he's going to hit 20 bombs and have 175 hits next year for the team. That's, that's the way for them to go. That's a, that division is obviously a meat grinder with, with the Dodgers on top of it. But Xander, Xander Bogarts makes perfect sense for them, and they have to know that San Francisco is going to spend money this year and next year and probably the year after. And in order for them to keep pace, they're going to have to stay aggressive themselves. Part of me wonders if you know they already have planned to pivot to Bogarts after they swung a miss on Trey Turner, the news that you broke a couple days ago. Um, but I'm of the belief that Bogarts would be a perfect fit there. And if Correa does wind up going to San Francisco, sort of go tick-to-tack there, you're not going to lose too much ground in the standings for sure. Yep. And I got to tell you this, too. If if uh, they don't land Bogarts, let's say Bogarts uh, you know, goes to the Cubs or he goes to Diamondbacks, he goes to the Red Sox, if I'm the Padres, then I'm just going down the list. I'm getting Dansby Swanson who would be an upgrade over what they have. If you're in that mode, as the Padres seem to be, which is cost be damned, we're trying to win. Getting a great player is all that matters. And Dansby Swanson would be a guy who would make sense to me. Like, I'm I'm getting on a plane from Peter Seidler, as he did with Trey Turner, saying, look, uh, based on what's available out there, we want you. And, and uh, Dansby Swanson makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, too, alternatively. He's, he's, he's not quite the, the, the player that Bogarts is, in my judgment, mostly because he doesn't have that kind of uh, profile as a hitter. But who are we kidding? Right. And Dans, Dansby Swanson is an excellent defender at shortstop, an excellent base runner, like a top-of-the-food chain type in both of those areas. They got plenty of bats in that lineup, truly. If, if you're trying to build a baseball team front to back with as much uh, high-level talent you can across the board when it comes to skills, you could do a lot worse than Dansby Swanson. And I said this before, and I'll say it again. Up the middle defense is going to matter now more than ever with the shift restrictions. And he is the best defender on the market, I think, as you're projecting things forward. They did a great job with him in Atlanta and developing his skills in that respect. He would add a lot of value in the margins for a San Diego team that has a lot of thump. But I could easily see Dansby Swanson making huge plays and, and having huge at-bats and huge moments for that team based upon his experience, his, his slow heartbeat, and obviously the skill is there. He does all sorts of things that no one on that team can do right now. He's, he is the antithesis in some sense of Fernando Tatis, who, again, I think should wind up in center field. All right, Hembo. Thanks for jumping on at short notice. All rise. Bleacher tweets. Already, Buster. Bleacher tweets for. Hold on, hold on. Before we get to bleacher tweets, let's let's mention some other deals. There are a bunch of deals beneath this Aaron Judge signing that have happened in the last 24 hours. Andrew Heaney agreed to a two-year deal with the Texas Rangers. The Rangers done a great job to Grom Heaney. Uh, improving their rotation on paper. Uh, I thought the the Guardians had a great signing, two-year deal of Josh Bell. He's perfect for them. He's a little bit of thump, uh, and he's not outrageously expensive. Two years, $33 million, which if you're Cleveland, that's what you need. And Tommy Canley turned down the overtures from the Boston Red Sox to work out a two-year deal to go back to the Yankees. So, Taylor, go ahead. All right. We're going to just run. We got a bunch of questions. We put the call out. The Bleacher Tweeters delivered. So I'm going to honor the first couple that came in, and then I'm just going to scroll through the feed here. So Molten Bosworth, Bolsworth, excuse me, uh, at GoJones71 writes, and do you think the recent report about juiced balls used in Aaron Judge's home run chase that's come out, do you think the report will be pretty much ignored? This is something we did not mention today. Yeah, apparently the Yankees ignored it because they just gave him $360 million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hillel Kreef Armbarn uh, at Hillel New York Yankees. Will the Yankees be able to sign anyone else with Stanton, Cole, and now Judge having $300 million plus dollar deals? They can sign. I mean, they still have, what, 100? Uh, those three players are going to make about a combined $100, $510 million. 
Um, and then beyond that, you know, up to the luxury tax threshold, it's what, another $120 million. But I do think it's going to put the Yankees in a position, and I'm sure House Time Runner knew this as he uh, proffered this deal of $360 million to judge. They're going to have to blow through the luxury tax threshold. And guess what? They're the Yankees. They should. <laughs> they should do it. If I had the money, I'd do it. Uh, our guy Max L writes in as a diehard Yankees fans. I admit I'm very nervous about years seven through nine plus Stanton overlap after this season. Maybe he figured out his body, but they need more trades, pitching, any rumblings on Donaldson Hicks being moved. Is the evil empire back? Well, yeah, and we can't. We we seem to forget this is a team that won 100 games last year. Yeah, <laughs> like it. It wasn't a team that won like 70 games. They haven't had a losing season. Taylor, you as an Orioles fan can appreciate this. Uh, they haven't had a losing season in 30 years. Ugh, okay. So, so it's not like they've necessarily gone away. I think those concerns about the back end of judges contract. Yeah. They're inherent. When you make a deal like this, I've said this in the past teams basically feel like in the first third of the deal, they want elite performance in the middle third. They want the player to be effective. And at the back end, they assume that the player is not going to be very good. Um, so that's, that's just the nature of, uh, uh signing a big deal like this. I, I kind of love the fact though, that house time runner got emotional about this. Mm, yeah. Uh, let's do a quick Padres detour. You've stirred everyone up with all this Padres talk. Gabriel at, uh, bold as bronze writes and why don't free agents want to sign with the Padres despite them putting up offers that are worth more or the same. Yeah, I think that they're going to be very open to it in a way. I mean, Manny Machado started that trend, $300 million deal. You know, the year after Eric Hosmer, Joe Musgrove, who's a San Diego guy, he signed a $100 million deal. Juan Soto went there. I assume that sometime in the next two years, you're going to hear about a massive $500 million plus deal, potentially, or offer from the Padres to him. I think teams are viewing the Padres differently than they, excuse me, I think free agents are viewing the Padres differently than they have in the past because the owner's like, I don't care like about the, what my budget is. I just want to win a championship. And anybody who watched the Padres, and that includes players and other teams, had to have loved what they saw in the postseason with how passionate those fans are. I guess I'll uh, staple part of Debbie Gammons Brown's question on here. She asked, when the heck is their credit card bill due uh, with the Padres? It seems like there really isn't one due for a while, I guess. No, because they're not worried about, I think, you know, Peter Seidler's not going to bed at night like a lot of owners are thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to make as much profit as I usually do. He, <laughs> you know, he, he he's looking at it. The franchise value of that team is probably somewhere now, and I'm just guessing off the top of my head, two and a half to three billion dollars. He's thinking, yeah, we'll be fine. You know, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's like someone who, uh, you know, owns a house in a, you know, in a million dollar community saying, I don't know, that hot tub is really expensive. <laughs> You'll be okay. I think Peter Seidler's figured that out. And meanwhile, you know, the last year, the, the Padres drew nearly 3 million fans for the first time in their yes. history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is something uh, that should be mentioned too. When you when you have players that are exciting and you win baseball games, guess what? Your stadium fills up and you sell lots of hot dogs. Wow. Yep. That's well, exactly right. What a calculus. Uh, let's turn back to some Aaron Judge stuff. Uh, Jeremy Termini writes, and now that Judge is signed, how do the Yankees address issues in left field, third base, shortstop, and uh, number two starting pitcher? With less money. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't think there's any doubt, you know, that if, if uh, Judge had gone someplace else, maybe they would have worked off the A-list and thrown out a big number for some of the free agents. And now, I, I think those numbers would be smaller, and they'll try to, 
you know, piece something together. Like, I, and again, I'm just riffing here. Let's say in left field, you do A.J. Pollock is a free agent on a one-year deal. He uh, platoons against left-handed hitters or pitchers, and then you get somebody who matches left-handed uh, pitchers. Maybe you you uh, bring back Aaron Hicks in the spring. You see what you get out of him. And the Yankees have done a really good job in recent years of putting together excellent bullpens, and I think that'll be a focus going forward. Let's shut it down here. Mark Gent at Mark H. Gent. Uh, he writes in with Aaron Judge getting nine years at $40 million average annual value going into his age 31 season. What will the free agent market be for Shohei Otani next offseason as he goes into his age 29 season? He'll be the first player to have a salary of $50 million or more in Woo! 2024. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Like, you know, in terms of pure value, in terms of what they bring at the, the marketplace, uh, you know, this is the first year of five years of labor piece guaranteed. Usually about year four or five, teams get a little bit more conservative. But next year and year two, they're going to go crazy. And when Otani becomes a free agent, the number he gets is going to absolutely crush what uh, we just saw Aaron Judge get. Wild. Great stuff. Great episode today. Thanks for writing in at the last minute, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back, you know, this week. If there's more breaking news, if not, then then we'll circle back next week. Yeah, my thanks to uh, Taylor and Sarah for scrambling at the last minute after we got news on this. Uh, great work today, guys. And also to Dave and to Hembo. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember, uh, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. One last note, uh, we will have a podcast on Thursday, depending on the news. So, Taylor, I think if, uh, you know, Xander Bogarts lands, if Carlos Correa lands, I think those would be the two guys, or if we get some massive trade, then mm -hmm. we'll be back on Thursday. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's good criteria for a, for a new podcast. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.